Welcome to the Sword and the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I am Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Thanks for listening to the Sword and the Trial today. We want to let you know that we've got a conference coming up, the Southeast Founders Regional Conference, December 5th through the 7th. That's right. Right here in Cape Coral, Florida. So on? The Law of the Gospel. And no matter what you're doing, December 5th, through seventh or where you're doing it you would prefer to be doing it in southwest florida at this conference because it's going to be really good it'll be more better down here yeah because the weather's great i mean there are a lot of people going to be freezing in december but you don't have to be among them you can be right here in southwest florida taking in this good conference on the law and the gospel slots are already filling up space is limited we got lots of friends coming in we got a lot of exciting things going on we are premiering our film by what standard Uh, we're very excited about this work and if you want to see it first you got to come to the southeast founders regional conference are we going to have popcorn for the premiere we're going to have popcorn for the premiere (laughs) we're also going to have a founders press after party on thursday night that's december 5th where you can come and tour the studio and you are going to get access to all kinds of um, discounted books that are going to be here for you to buy and check out the founders Uh, warehouse where all the books are stored. So come join us December 5th through the 7th. We've got Tom Nettles is going to be coming as one of our speakers. You and I will be speaking, and that's no big deal. Mm -hmm. But we got Jeff Johnson coming as well. And if you've not heard Jeff or uh, been familiar with his books, you'll want to become familiar with him. And we're looking forward to having these brothers join us as we deal with what I think is is absolutely essential. It's one of the most important and yet sadly too often overlooked mm-hmm. and forgotten doctrines of our day. Yeah. I mean, this stuff was just bread and butter for our forefathers. And for us, it's just like, yeah, well, I'm not much concerned about it. And I think that explains a lot of the reason for why we are in such difficulties that we find ourselves in today too. Yep. So here in our first segment, we like to get into something that's going on either in the culture around us or something often in our pastoral ministry that arises that we think is an issue that needs to be dealt with. And one that we want to talk about today is the idea of diligence. So why is this on your mind, Jerry? the idea of taking initiative, (laughs) just taking initiative diligence. Yeah. Well, it's on my mind because I'm Trying to be quite diligent myself these days. So how are you being diligent these selves? Uh, we bought yourself? we bought what might be called a fixer-upper. A fixer-upper. I wish I had video cameras going. Man, we could make a movie out of there this. There's some serious work going on. Some drywall action and some, I don't know, the list goes on. So you've been catechizing your children as you've been uh, encouraging them to learn the goodness of labor, right? As we've been working. Proverbs twelve twenty four is a key text. The hand of the diligent shall rule shall rule. And so we uh, have a little call and response that I do with the kids <laughs> on that. So we remember that we need to press on. But so there's, there seems to be talk today, especially about men, young men, not taking initiative, not yeah. being diligent. Uh, this is a theme in scripture. Proverbs is a true proverb. It's a wonderful one. The hand of the diligent will rule. There's something about um, pressing on when things get hard, you know, no matter what you're doing, no matter what kind of work you're involved in, intellectual work, physical labor, it doesn't matter if you're raising a family, man, woman, old, young, we all experience this in life where the world begins to press back. We begin to run out of energy. We begin to run out of time. And there's this call to, um, to work hard, to press on. And it seems that if you do that, uh, certainly there is a, a, problem with working too hard you can do that where you're just trying to be god and you're not god and you need to go to sleep but there's also the theme that you need to really work diligently work harder than the next guy there's going to be some kind of fruit that comes from your labors yeah i i think this is a a note that needs to be sounded loudly 
and with uh, a, a great uh, deal of repetition in our day because we, we have things so easy for us. I mean, 200 years ago, 150 years ago, uh, right. people living even in this country, certainly in other less developed countries, life was hard. I mean, if you, you got up in the morning and you weren't diligent, you may not eat mm-hmm. that day. And we've been so blessed and our economy is such today that we're not agrarian much anymore. You know, if I don't go out and get the seed uh, sown, the ground um, torn up to prepare for the seed, if I don't go out at harvest, uh, it's not a big deal. There's tomorrow, there's next week. And if I miss a couple of days of mm-hmm. work, if I lose my job, it's okay. It's not, not cru- critical. 200 years ago, that was critical. Yeah. That was critical. And so this this proverb and the truth behind it regarding how God's made the world work seems less significant to us today. Yeah. But overall, in the long run, it's true. So there's any number of days that you could skip going to try to get your house remodeled so that it's livable and you can move your family into it. But that just prolongs the difficulty and prolongs the pain. And today, if we are not careful, we, we can... Um, Miss teaching the younger generations that are rising up that this truth still bears on God's world. Yeah, it's, you know, this is fat. I love this truth because if you're looking at the world, just general revelation, you, you can see this truth runs in both directions. So there's sometimes we're all, you know, be done after a long day, and I'll just think about everything around me is breaking down, <laughs> right? So the car, right, is going to break, and we have these guys called mechanics that fix it, you know. My children's teeth are breaking down. We have somebody called a dentist. The plumbing in our house is eventually everything is wearing down, whatever it is, our physical bodies, you know. So you have that direction and the the solution to the deterioration of all of these things that are around us, weeds are growing in the garden, is diligence. You go and you, you, in all areas, you're stopping that from happening. But it's not just a negative thing, you know. There's also this upside. Mm-hmm. You You can start to see... You know, I told my kids the other day, we, my grandfather brought me just one stalk from his banana tree, and we plant it in the ground. There's nothing on it. I mean, I've got banana pods galore coming <laughs> out of that thing, and we keep going. You, we only put one banana pod in the ground, and look at all the fruit that came. Yeah. And financially, it's that way. So whatever, whatever, that, whatever you're laying your hand to, there's this diligence first um, slows down the deterioration that is going on all around us. And diligence, on, on the upside, you can actually start to get fruit. You can put one seed in the ground, get multiple plants. Mm-hmm. And that's a principle that's not just for farmers, you know. It kind of runs in every direction. The, the missing uh, ingredient in both cases is, is diligence. Yeah. If you take that away, you're not going to get the upside, and you're guaranteed to get the downside. Yeah, I, I think even like uh, with Proverbs 31 talking about that composite woman there, uh, she works with willing hands, mm-hmm. it says at one point. So it's it's like, okay, you wake up in the morning, you got all this stuff to do, and the temptation is to find a thousand excuses not to get started. Right. And yet the willingness that we need to have, because we're creatures made in God's image, he's creative, he works, and he's made us to represent him in the world, so we ought to be as diligent and creative and, and work as industriously as we are capable of, understanding that we're creatures, not God, and do so with a willingness. And Because the capacity changes over time, too. I mean, the older you get, the more your body breaks down, the less you're able to do uh, mm-hmm. in certain spheres than you were able to do earlier in your life. And knowing that that comes, those days are coming, you know, we are to work while it's day because night's coming when we're not going to be able to work. The scriptures just fill with this wisdom. Yeah. 
closely connected to diligence is what Proverbs twelve twenty four is talking about is the idea of taking initiative. And um, it seems to be true, again, looking at the world, general revelation, that the first step is very often one of the hardest steps. Mm. You know, if you're at zero, if you're not, you don't have any momentum. It's like, man, that first step, the first step out of bed yep. in the morning stuff. <laughs> That's thinking about my own life right now. With this <laughs> um, but same thing, you don't have any money. Right. Mm-hmm. The first the, getting that initial money right. is key. And if you're starting a new job, the first time you don't know where anything is, you, you've never, your hands have never done this kind of thing. Your mind's mm-hmm. never done this kind of thing. You don't know how to navigate the relationships. So I can I can see a lot of guys getting stuck. I mean, especially in those young 20s, late teens, because they're just thinking, you know, I don't know what it means to apply right. for this job. I don't know what it means to um, to see if I can get into this college and take the first class. Well, keep that. In, it's helpful keeping that in mind. That first step is going to be hard, right? But we are to take initiative. We are yeah. to take the first step, knowing that it, it, even the steps down the road may not be as challenging as this first one. So don't be overwhelmed by it. I like to try to remind a lot of folks of that uh, at the outset of any given task, yeah, or responsibility. Yeah, anything worth doing, anything worth accomplishing, is worth the risk of failing in the attempt. So we have to be willing to fail, and, and I think a lot of people are paralyzed by a fear of failure, and so they do nothing. And as a result, they, they never will get to experience the benefits of trying and perhaps failing, but getting up and starting over. And how many stories just of, of God's common grace do we know about this? You know, the Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken, and how many times did he fail in his efforts until he was late in mm-hmm. life and developed something that became uh, a business success? And there's story after story like that. And right. so it's the hand of the diligent that will rule. That's and right. we've got to take God at his word and say, okay, this no utopia. I'm not going to make everything just right, and it's not going to bring in the uh, the life that's going to have no problems. But this is the way God's wired His world. This way He's created me to live in His world. Mm-hmm. And you know, the proverb doesn't say the hand that is diligent today will rule tomorrow. <laughs> that'd be, but I did it. I tried. So good. I, I, mean, I did it today. I'm not. Why am I not a king or a queen right now? It reminds me when we were homeschooling our our son Joel. We had three daughters before him. And uh, so Donna was trying the same thing. First day of school, he was excited about it. Man, first day, you know, he was all happy and everything. The next day, sec- day two of school, she goes and wakes him up. So come on, son, it's time for school. And he says, we got to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. I was so motivated that first time. So another challenge, especially those for, who are young, maybe in the early parts of life, they're looking up and they see everybody else, right? They see the guys that have been at it for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The guy that's at it for 30 years kind of takes a week or two off and doesn't seem to even lose anything. And you're like, how's he doing that? You know, if I take a day off right now. And yeah. so, so starting with the small things, I don't remember who said it, but everybody wants to change the world. Nobody wants to do the dishes. That's right. Yeah. And so part of diligence and taking initiative is you make your list. This is your goal where you're going, but you've got to say, what's the first step? And mm. It might be small yeah. and there might not be a whole lot of fruit the day after you put a seed in the ground, you know? Right. And so then, but don't be discouraged by that. So I'm going to do the next small thing. I'm going to do the next small thing. I'm going to do the next small thing working toward that goal. Day yeah. Day. So what do you do if you're hearing this and you're thinking, yeah, man, I need to do something. Where do I start? Here's where you start. Make your bed, just make your bed and then get about your business of the mm. day. 
Yeah, we've got a sweet lady that's worth bragging on in our congregation. She's now 100 years old. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure she probably still does it. I know she was doing it when she was 99. Mm. She made her bed every morning. I mean, she cleaned her entire house, but she had this principle of making her yeah. bed. And she fell over and injured herself and now couldn't get under to tuck the sheets <laughs> in tight. And so she got a yardstick <laughs> and she'd stick it in there. You know, yeah. I mean, think about that. My bed's not that tight, not arm, <laughs> army tight, you know. Yeah. Um, and yet what an example she is. Uh, when it comes to being diligent. So the hand of the diligent will rule. When we come back, we're going to be talking about one of the books that Founders Press publishes. We have a whole commentary set, the Founders Study Guide Commentary Series. We haven't covered every book, but we're going to talk particularly about this uh, book on Ephesians, Curtis Vaughn's commentary. Wonderful book. I want to invite you to the upcoming Southeast Founders Conference that will be held in Cape Coral, Florida, December the 5th through the 7th. The theme of the conference is the law and the gospel, which is a vitally important issue in our day. Dr. Tom Nettles will be our keynote speaker. He'll be joined by Jeff Johnson, who's a pastor in Conway, Arkansas, as well as Jared Longshore and myself. In addition to the regular conference teaching, we're going to have two special events at this year's conference, and I really want to encourage you to come and be a part of these events. We're going to have an open warehouse where you'll get a chance to tour through the Founders facilities and see kind of how we do things, including the facilities here in the Founders studio. And then we're also going to have the premier showing of the Founders Synodoc by what standard? God's world, God's rules. Would love for you to come and be a part of it. Space is limited. You can get more information at founders.org. Let me encourage you to go there and register today. Welcome back to The Sword and the Trial. In this segment, we want to talk to you about a book that we have available through Founders Press. It's called Ephesians. It's a study guide commentary that Founders uh, has republished by Curtis Vaughn. Curtis Vaughn is the late professor of Greek and New Testament at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He was my professor. He was one of my Greek professors, and I took him for uh, other book studies as well. Uh, what a wonderful influence he had on my life. I'll never forget in one of our Greek classes, we were actually working through the book of Ephesians in Greek, and we got to verse 4 in chapter 1, and so the student read it from the Greek, and then he said, Dr. Vaughn said, you know, I said, I, I know what this says, but, but what does it mean? What does it mean? God chose us before the foundation of the world. And Dr. Vaughn looked at him, he said, son, it means exactly what it says. <laughs> and, and thus began another uh, good step in my theological education. But Dr. Mm -hmm. Vaughn uh, published these books initially with another publisher, and I contacted him after they went out of print. We couldn't get them anywhere and asked him if he would be willing to let founders uh, have the rights to publish these commentaries. Mm -hmm. He wrote me the most gracious letter in the world, and he said, yes, uh, Tom said, I would be happy if you would publish these books. And um, so we've had a, a good opportunity and relationship to do that. We're reprinting them. Ephesians is excellent. One of the values of Curtis Vaughn's exposition of Ephesians is that he gives you a distillation of some of the best of the commentaries up to the point that he wrote this one in just sound bites. So you'll get a sentence or two here or a paragraph there from other uh, good works on Ephesians. And I preach through Ephesians, use this. We've recommended this in Bible studies in our church. It's a, it's a great handbook. Yeah. The size is really the, uh, was a selling point for me on not only this work, but all of our commentaries. Um, 
pastoring here, there's preaching Sunday morning, there's preaching Sunday night, there's teaching on a Wednesday night, and you know, there's it's it's worth certainly getting big, heavy commentaries and working mm-hmm. through the deep stuff. Uh, this is practical. It's the kind of thing that if you're going to be doing some kind of Bible study, you can read the passage uh, that you're going to be teaching on, and then you can grab this uh, study guide, and you can read the portion uh, covered, and it's not going to jam up your entire day. It's also got study guide questions after every section that Vaughn deals with that I found very helpful. If you were going to do a Bible study, you can do a Bible study with the whole church. These would be great to purchase. It's the kind of thing that can be accessed by your congregation where they're going to gain real benefit by looking at what Vaughn has done. Yeah, you can put this in the hands of any serious Christian. And and again, we've ladies Bible studies, uh, men's Bible studies in our church use this. Highly recommend it. You know, the, the content is incredible. But the cover, I kind of have a special affi- like affinity for the cover. Yeah, um, people have commented in recent years uh, that there's been a distinct shift That's in the cover right there. covers of, let me, let's just compare them, the covers of the Founders Press books. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a day when I was designing the covers. You probably can't tell when that day changed, but when it changed, we went from this to this. Yes. You, so this was you. You got this got Tom's fingerprints this, this on is, it. Yeah, I, I didn't take any credit for it. I don't think you can find my name anywhere that design cover designed by Tom Aspel. Like Where'd you find that font for Ephesians? Um, man, that was uh, that was an uh, I think a New Times Roman that I italicized. <laughs> very smooth, very smooth. Well, uh, not only because the covers kind of lame, um, but just because we want to get this book out, we're uh, having this book deep discount. Yes. Going on right now. Uh, when this podcast drops, go to founders.org, click on the store, find this Ephesians commentary, and uh, man. Help us sell it out because once you do, we'll redesign the we'll cover. Get a new cover. That's right. <laughs> hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking about God's law, his commandments found in Scripture, Hebrews chapter 13, chapter, or verse 2, uh, what it means to not neglect hospitality. It's not even new to Southern Baptists. Because Satan does this. He is constantly telling you you should be guilty when you're forgiven. He is constantly asking you to live with regrets when the Father has taken all the sins of the world. Welcome back to the Sword and the Trial. In this segment, we want to talk about one of the commands that we find in the Scriptures. And specifically today, we want to talk about Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. It's one of the hospitality commands that we have in the New Testament. And so the text reads this way, Let brotherly love continue. That's verse 1. This is kind of what uh, Philip Hughes calls the postscript to the book of Hebrews, where he starts giving us all these admonitions that uh, seem like they're just loosely connected. But then immediately after, let brotherly love continue, he says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So don't neglect hospitality. Hospitality is called we're called upon to exercise that but this command particularly is don't neglect it actually the way that it's written it could be translated stop neglecting it mm-hmm. so the implication is that this had kind of been something that was let go by the christians that are receiving this letter and the author is saying listen brothers and sisters we cannot afford to just let this go any longer you've got to have an open life to people mm-hmm. you got to be willing to open up your home to people and welcome people and and christians ought to do this when I mean, we we have been welcomed by god 
And so we ought to show brotherly love in this way uh, because we have been so deeply loved by God in Christ. Yeah. When this catches on in a church, boy, it's really something to see, you know, when you have people that are eager to prepare things for people that takes mm-hmm. time, takes effort, takes planning. You know, you're here, you are going to have people over. Everybody knows what that feels like when yeah. you're going to do it. Uh, there's likely some kind of food or drink involved in that. Maybe not always, but very often that is the case, which that's going to require some kind of preparation as well. And uh, then just having them in the very space where you live. I think it was Rosaria Butterfield that talked about, um, you know, the, the tendency for us and our families to be short with each other, to have bad attitudes. And she said, you know, a wonderful way to purge that is to have people in your home. Because she said, <laughs> have you noticed when you, often we just think, oh, yeah. when I have people in my home, why is it? I must be so wicked. Why is it that I act better when I have people in my home than when I don't have people in my home? Well, you can sit there and think that. And the upside, you could just have people in your home more <laughs> and maybe you'll stop being such a jerk. <laughs> That's right. You know, the habits will kick in and uh, yeah, and, and I think one of the things that hinders us from showing hospitality as we ought, as the scripture admonishes us to, and I think as, as most Christians really want to do, is that we have these false ideals in our mind, you know, an idealism that says, well, the windows all have to be clean, the fingerprints have to be taken off the mirrors. Turkey in the oven. Yeah, you know, and the, the china has to be just right. And man, hospitality is not about the food. I mean, I think about some of the times have been the sweetest for me when I've been welcomed by people. And some of them, didn't even, some of them don't even involve homes or houses. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I've had great conversations out in the middle of nowhere when I was a stranger in a different country uh, by believers that just welcomed me in and brought me into their own orbit of mm-hmm. understanding and love. And it, it's wonderful. And so it's not about the food. If we, if we could communicate that to each other and reassure each other that, uh, it'd go a long way. Yeah, not just not about the food. When it comes to food and drink, um, I've received wonderful hospitality from people where there was food and drink involved, but it doesn't have to be exquisite. Yeah, These people didn't have access to that. Uh, I remember being out in Kosovo or in the mountains of Kosovo and we came into a house and it was very much like the Abraham situation in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had more there than, than this family did, but we came in and they went out and they milked the cow mm. and they brought in the milk from the cow. Right. I mean, here it is. I'm willing to give you yeah. whatever it is. So I, I want to meet your needs. I want to meet your physical needs. And boy, this lady was diligent and the man was as well. And so even more, I think the challenge is like, well, everything has to be perfect. Everything yeah. has to be just right. And that's not true. We provide what we have. You know, if you have a loaf of bread, well, we're going to chop it up in smaller pieces and pass it around so everybody can, can have it. That is a big hindrance. And so just getting started and doing it. Yeah, that's huge. And I, You've probably had this experience, but I have uh, been in other churches, sometimes visiting with my family or even by myself. And folks will just welcome me and say, Hey, we'd love to have you over for lunch or, you know, do you have plans or are you traveling? And that's always wonderful. But then there've been other experiences where you're a a stranger and you walk into a congregation where you you're visiting because you're traveling and, um, you know, you don't, you don't know the rhythms of the church. You don't know even where there are places to eat uh, that you need to find that afternoon. And so it's, it's being welcoming, having a life that is open and welcoming toward others. And I, I do think we could do, generally, Christians could do better at this just by thinking, recognizing, first of all, okay, God does command this. And here he commands us, don't neglect it. So the implication is there's a tendency to neglect it. And if we have neglected it, we'll make pray and ask God to help us to overcome that and then make a little bit of planning. So just plan, have enough bread in the house to make sandwiches, uh, plan to have your doormat 
clean or whatever so people can come in and have places for them to sit, uh, plan to, to do what you're going to do anyway, including strangers, people that you may not anticipate uh, bumping into. Right. It seems what the author of Hebrews is talking about here and entertaining angels unawares, um, you know, that this this may not mean that we should be looking for our guests to be an angel. <laughs> but it, the hospitality seems like a small thing. It's a practical thing. Uh, people are in your house for a few hours and then they're out of your house or yeah. you sitting down with someone for an hour long conversation, even if it is outside of the house, you can still be hospitable. Uh, and then that's over. And yet the writer of Hebrews is here saying that there's actually bigger things going on. Yeah. Boy, how, how many good things happen when we just make a practice of being hospitable toward yeah. one another. I mean, I think if we were to say, hey, man, would you like to entertain an angel in your home? You know, probably a lot of Christians say, oh, man, that'd be so cool. We'd love to do that. And yet Matthew 25, when Jesus talks about the day of judgment, separating goats from sheep, he says that as often as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have an opportunity to welcome Christ in a specific way by showing hospitality to the least among the brethren, welcoming the men to our home, into our lives, and showing them the love that we have been given in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks so much again for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. We do have that conference coming up December 5th through the 7th. Don't forget it. Yeah, we would love to see you down here in Cape Coral, Florida.